Welcome to First Congregational Church of Litchfield Sermon Podcast. Join us each week for a Bible-based Christian message. We hope God speaks to you through the things you hear. Let's get started. Our scripture reading from this morning can be found on page 100 in the New Testament, the book of John, chapter 8. Then each of them went home while Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and making her stand before all of them, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They said this to test him, so that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And once again he bent down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the elders. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, sir. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go your way, and from now on, do not sin again. The word of the Lord. We speak this morning, Father God. Not unto humans, Father God, but unto the spirit of the living God, your very spirit, the spirit of Jesus who lives in the hearts of your people, Father. That he himself will be fed this morning, that he will increase and we will decrease, Father God. For the glory of your name, we ask these things. Thank you, Father. So this morning, we were blessed to hear the scripture reading of the woman caught in the act of of adultery. How many of you are familiar with this story? There's a few hands. How many of you are really familiar with it? Put two hands up. Really familiar. <laughs> You've read it a few times. Hallelujah. Glory. I'm always trying to trick you to raise your hands. That's all right. It's my own little side thing. Anyway, so here we go. This story is told, and you could read it a million times over and over and over and over. The dilemma is this is that this story was not told or even written thinking that the audience listening to it would be a Litchfield First Congregational Church 2,000 years later. This was an account written for the people of Israel at that time. Uh, they didn't even know that the gospel and the, and the kingdom and would be explained to Gentiles because it wasn't until the acts and Cornelius and all that happened. So, 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 so the audience to whom this is written is a Hebraic audience. And this morning, I want you to see this story from a Hebraic mind because it'll help you understand the depth of what you just read in a way you've never seen before. How many of you have maybe searched for a book to see what did Jesus write in the sand? 
What did he write in this thing? I mean, I've, I've heard it preached. I've heard people. The curiosity. What is it that he's writing that would cause these, this interaction to take place? Well, first of all, I have to explain a little bit about what's happening in this moment. Uh, you see, if you read in the whole account of John, you realize that this took place on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, this is very, very important because if you were raised in a Jewish home, you would know exactly what that means. And let me explain to you, why was this woman in Jerusalem as a prostitute on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles? It's kind of simple. You see, the Feast of Tabernacles is a pilgrimage feast that all men have to go to Jerusalem. And one of the instructions that God gave to the people of Israel is that they had to bring wine and strong drink to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, you can imagine a bunch of men in Jerusalem, eight days, celebrating with wine and strong drink, let me tell you something. That prostitute was one smart prostitute. That's the time you want to be in Jerusalem. Come on, somebody. You're acting so holy out there. Like, you don't know what to... That, like, this is a brilliant woman, okay? Because they're there. They're drunk. And that's where she's going to make the most money. I mean, it's really a brilliant plan. And for those of you who like business, you know, people, you'll understand, you know. So this happened at the last day of the feast. It's the eighth day when everybody's plastered. I mean, you can literally go to Israel at this time in Jerusalem. At the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, there's a lot of partying going on. You know, you got the sukkahs, you got all kinds, you know, the sukkahs on fire. Just, you know, it's, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's like a big festivity thing, okay. So that's when she was there. Now, it says that, that they did this to trick him. Well, how are they tricking him? Well, a couple of things. First of all, you couldn't stone anybody because Judea was not under the rule of the Jews. He was under the rule of Rome. So the Romans didn't care. The Romans had no problem burning you on, on, on crosses and tormenting you, but you can't do it based on your own dumb laws from your own God. So, 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 so if Messiah said, yeah, well, if Moses said it, then we got to stone her, he'd be arrested immediately. And if he said, no, 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 we got to have mercy, they would say, ah, you don't follow the law of the God of Moses, so you're an imposter. That's what they were trying to do. Are you with me? Last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, drunk men didn't bring her in. The accuser, and he never speaks a word. First, he goes down, and he begins to write on the sand. Now, why is he writing on the sand? Well, that's why I'm here today, because as a rabbi, I know exactly what he's writing on the sand. This is what rabbis do. You have to understand that back then, 2,000 years ago, when there was a dispute, when there was an argument, when there was some kind of something where somebody stole something or some breaking of the law that God gave to the people of Israel, the first thing you had to do is you had to bring that person before a rabbi because the rabbi represented the judge over this situation and because he was judging not based on his opinion but based on his understanding of the instruction that God gave concerning that particular commandment that was broken. So when Jesus went down onto the sand and he began to write, all he was doing is he was writing in Hebrew the commandment that she was being accused of. And he began to write. It would be in Leviticus 20 verse 10. And he began to write and, he, and it says, a man 
that is caught in adultery must be brought before the congregation. Both the adulterer and the adulteress will be put to death by two witnesses, and the witnesses shall throw the first stone. So he's writing the commandment so that everyone there knows he can deliberate this specific circumstance because he is a rabbi and he knows the law that has just been broken. So when he writes down, when the man, when the man, come on somebody, when the man, where's the man, guys? He done brought the woman. Where is the man? Jesus is using the law to set her free because you can't bring the woman unless you bring the man. So he just writes the commandment, and then he stands and he says, those of you who have not sinned, cast the first stone. Now, you have to understand this is not what you think he's saying. He's not saying if you've never sinned, you can cast the first stone. That makes no sense. That, that would make this particular instruction null and void, because even in the Old Testament, who could throw a stone? Because we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. That's not what he's saying. The sin was you cannot bring someone to an accusation without getting all your ducks in a row. Or you think OJ had the dream team. Let me tell you something. If the glove don't fit, you must acquit. It don't matter if he's guilty or not. You have to follow the instruction. You can't bring somebody in to, to be executed if you're not following the instruction as God has instructed. Are you with me? They're like, the sin was trying to execute a woman without following the instructions of God. And they sat there quiet. And again, he goes down and he begins to write the second time. What is he writing the second time? We know what he's writing because of the way that they left. They left first the oldest to the youngest. Go to any synagogue today, and you will see up on the wall, there's names of men up on the wall. From the oldest to the youngest, you have to have at least 10, which is a minion, which means these are the honored people of the synagogue. The oldest one who started this thing all the way down to the youngest. And he began to write those names, the names of the men who were there on the sand. Why did he leave when he began? to write their names on this sand. Because in Jeremiah 17, verse 13, it says that, oh Lord, Yahweh, you are the hope of Israel. Those who have rejected you will be ashamed. Those who have walked away from you, their names will be written in the sand, for they have abandoned Yahweh, the living water of Israel. Now the day before Jesus had stood on the, on the, next to the temple standing there and he said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come and rivers of living water shall flow from their innermost being. That just happened the day before. He just announced that he is the living water. He's the well of living water and the religious system abandoned him. And the next day, they're trying to get this woman killed. And he writes their names on the sand. So first he writes the commandment to show that they were messing the whole thing up. 
And second, he writes their names on the sand. And one by one, they had to leave. Now, keep this in mind. This is indeed a guilty woman. But God is amazing. God holds his word above his own name. He can't just say, well, you know what? Just, just, keep, just go. Don't worry about it. He can't do that. He has to make it legal. And he says to her, woman, where are your accusers? The accusers are the witnesses. In the Torah, it says you need two or more witnesses to make this thing go through. Woman, where are your witnesses? She looked around. They were all gone. By the way, there were thousands of people there because on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, there are thousands of people in Jerusalem. Except the witnesses who saw it had to leave. So by getting rid of the witnesses, she legally cannot be accused of anything. So he says to her, then I do not accuse you either. Because I'm only one. And my word says I would need two here to accuse you. And I didn't come into this world to accuse, but to save. Legally, legally, she set free. But there's more. There's more. He looks at her and he said, go and sin no more. Oh, oh, oh I don't know if you're ready for this. You, you do know that when God speaks, whatever hears his voice doesn't have to sit there and decide, should I? Should I? When he says, peace, be still, the storm doesn't have an option to say, I don't know, I think, I think we, we all better settle down. Come on, waves, calm down. Do you understand? When he says, pick up your bed and walk, the person who's been paralyzed all their life doesn't have to decide whether they're going to pick up their bed or walk. They leap and they begin to walk. When he says, let there be light, light must appear. So when Jesus, who is God, says to this woman, go and sin no more, his words transformed her into a woman who could no longer live this lifestyle. It is him changing her, not her changing herself for him. Do I have to run in the pews and start cheering for this myself? I've done it before, I'll do it again. Do you understand? The relationship that God has with us is to help you understand. This is about me. Accept what I give you. Accept that it's a free gift. We still have people wandering around. Well, I, I hope I'm good enough. I, I hope God thinks I'm good enough to, to be saved. Good enough? Good what, what are you talking about? There is none good but God. What do you think if, you, if you're in the beach and you're drowning? You're in the water drowning, and you're thinking to yourself, oh, I hope the last God realizes I'm not that bad of a person. On Sunday, I go to church, and, and I gave money to the little guy in the street. Oh, I hope the life God, the life God don't care how bad or how good you are. The life God sees someone who was lost and dying, and that life God will come and save you, whether you're a prostitute, whether you're a homosexual, whether you are the Pope, he doesn't care who you are. He's coming because you're dying and he gets you out of the water to save you. Jesus is the life God. 
who doesn't care what you are. All he cares is who the Father is because he only moves by the heart of the Father. And the Father says, I would that none would perish. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. Watch this. Watch this. You know what? It gets kind of crazy. I'm going to pick on one person right here. Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Just go like crazy. Just raise your one person, right? See, that looks kind of odd. You know, looking around. Oh, no, no. Now, let's try this. Everybody, just pick your hands up and just go like this. See, now you can't even see her. You can't even see her. All right, y'all, put your hands up. You see, when you, when you see someone acting crazy, they're only saying now because you're trying to act all appropriate. You know what I'm saying? God is letting you know. I know that people have spoken against you. I know that there are charges against you. But when you come before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, his job is not to condemn or to judge. You see, he's the attorney, the jury, the executioner, and the judge. But most important, he's the sacrifice. So who can you bring before the Lord to accuse when he has taken that accusation upon himself and allowed himself to be put on a pole for the salvation of humanity. Okay, last. Why did he write on the sand? Now that we know what he wrote, why the sand? Why the sand? Because Jesus knows that everything you write on the sand would be wiped away. And he could not write that woman's accusation on something that would be permanent. He had to write it in the place where it would be wiped away. It was him saying, I will take your sins and I'll place them in a place beneath your feet. And as you walk, you will erase the very memory of the accusations that have been brought against you. Come on, somebody. Some of you may be in here this morning just with a weight of things that maybe you have done, maybe you're doing, maybe you did in your childhood and you've never been able to get that off of your back and you think that by trying to be a good person, you'll impress God? <laughs> no. No one can impress God. I got a little homework for you. If there's something in your life that has tormented you, a memory of something that you've done that you can't put away, today before the sun goes down, find a piece of dirt somewhere where people walk and just write that memory with your finger and then step over it and walk away. And the God of heaven, who is the same today, yesterday, and forever, will set you free from carrying that burden. Thank you, Father. Your grace, great is your mercy to
towards me, your loving kindness towards me. Your mercies I see, great is your grace, forever faithful towards me, your loving kindness towards me. Great is your mercy towards me. Great is your grace. Hallelujah. And the Lord said, this is the way you shall place my name on my people. I will sing it in Hebrew and I'll translate it afterwards. Yaira donai panavalecha vihunecha. Isa donai panavalecha. Veasem lecha. Veasem lecha. Veasem lecha. bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his perfect shalom. Nothing broken. Nothing missing. Bless you. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for tuning in this week. We hope you're able to join us in person on Sunday morning. But if not, tune in next week for our next sermon. If you enjoyed this week's message, please share it with friends. Or for more information, visit www.fcclitchfield.com.